take this bottle, replace your tequila, do everything you would do with it and get back to us in two weeks. <laughs> and that was really our like consumer testing. Yeah. And when I say to a person, it was like jaw open <laughs> when they came back to us. We kind of knew we had something. This is Lit and Lucid, your after work de-stress smoke sesh podcast. I'm your host, Lit. And I'm your host, Lucid. And we're going to take you on a journey. A journey to discover the truth and find the balance. Every week, we get deep on those thought-provoking topics that ooze out of the cannabis universe. But we also keep it real by illuminating important issues and people in today's culture. So kick back. Consume your favorite cannabis products and get cozy cozy in the the Lit and Lucid lucid lifestyle. Welcome everybody to the Lit and Lucid podcast. It is Thursday and you know we are recording another episode of the show. We hope you've been enjoying the season so far. We've talked to lots of really amazing guests from coast to coast doing some pretty cool things in the industry. Uh, But with that, joining us today from California is Darnell Smith. He is the founder and CEO of Moon, spelled M-X-X-N. Moon is a non-alcoholic cannabis-infused spirits brand that is evolving today's cocktail culture. This was the first product launched by Mojo Ventures, also founded by Darnell, which has done work for Procter & Gamble, Bacardi, PepsiCo, and more. Darnell is also a CPG, alcohol industry veteran, and cannabis entrepreneur, innovator, and advocate in the space, truly making waves with his cannabis-infused spirits. So with that, we're super excited to have you on the show, Darnell, to learn more about Moon and a little bit more about your background. So with that, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to meet you guys. Yeah. Likewise, you know, and uh, we're excited to get to know you and excited to get to know uh, your brand moon a little bit more. And, you know, like Lucy said in the pre-show, it might be the first, uh, you know, uh, infused beverage we've had on the show. So I know those are kind of taking off and kind of like going across, you know, the nation now and everybody's like really there's a lot of buzz around it. So we're excited to learn more about, you know, what all that entails and even more as like an alcohol replacement. But uh, before we get there, let's learn more about you. I know you have a pretty impressive past of your own that you've kind of brought with you and helped you kind of create these brands and launch these products. So tell us how your journey uh, led you here to Cannabis and, and Moon. Absolutely. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Um, <laughs> so I started uh, probably two decades ago um, doing what's considered now shopper marketing for spirits companies and started with the Panora car. So shopper marketing is essentially, you know, below the line as they call it and so it's in retail outlets it's in 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 the case of spirits it's in on-premise outlets which are bars and restaurants and really marketing to consumers where the rubber meets the road and i really learned a lot about how brands gain traction especially like at the point of sale um and so i did that for a while and um you know i was lucky enough to progress in my career and uh, joined a few agencies, uh, different agencies that had accounts like Diageo and um, got exposure to, you know, massive brands like Guinness and Jose Cuervo and Crown Royal and Johnny Walker and really seeing how, you know, new SKUs were brought to market, how, you know, consumer loyalty was um, kind of cultivated and, um, you know, again, being able to move around a bit, I got involved pretty deeply in innovation uh, in those same organizations. And um, that's really what like sparked this fire of how I got to where I am today. And so 
I spent time in and out of spirits uh, after that doing stuff mainly in highly regulated industries. So I went into management consulting and did uh, pharma and life sciences and financial services. But the common theme to spirits was they were all really highly regulated industries. And, you know, it handcuffed what you could do in terms of how you communicated with consumers in each of those spaces. So mm-hmm. learned a lot there. Um, and then, I, as you mentioned, I founded my own consulting firm uh, back 10 years ago called Mojo. As you said, Mojo works with Bacardi, Incubation, Procter & Gamble Ventures, Pepsi, Rite Aid, Prudential. Like We have a kind of a who's who list of clients, and we happen to be in the sweet spot with them where they're working on innovation, right? And working on doing things at a large company and, you know, feeling like they're moving like a small, nimble company. And that's where we nice. really reside. And, and so we always knew that professional services wasn't our end-all, be-all. And so that's where Mojo Ventures got its start and it started incubating brands. And Moon is one of the first brands that is coming out of the incubator that I'm taking the baton and running fully with. So that's what brings me to today in this industry. That's very cool. Yeah, I'm sure you've got ample experience, you know, working with all of those different large, you know, alcohol beverage companies, you know, working. I like that part. You said like the consumer, like how do you create brand loyalty? You know, that's something that's very difficult, you know, especially in the cannabis industry. So I think that's very insightful that you had that experience. Uh, One other thing that I thought was really cool, though, is that it looked like you played football at the University of Notre Dame. Do you maybe want to tell us a little bit more about that experience and maybe, you know, in as in the realm of, you know, like health and wellness, maybe cannabis, you know, help with pain management or something like that? You know, how did that work out for you? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the omissions from the Cliff Notes version. But yes, I did play (laughs) football at the uh, University of Notre Dame before all of that, actually. Um, So it feels almost like another lifetime ago. But I mean, obviously, as a young, you know, 17, 18 year old kid, like at the time where Notre Dame was routinely number one in the country was, you know, obviously a surreal experience that, you know, you'll never forget. Obviously, you know, being a Division One athlete exposes you to, um, I call it like, bigness and scale and you have to learn how to deal with the moment right playing in front of a hundred thousand people um is is high pressure right and as you've seen college football has grown and grown and as you know it's the reason you know it's it's become a business almost and so you know for me during the time i was playing obviously i suffered a few um you know almost catastrophic injuries with my neck and other parts of my body. And so, you know, at that time, I couldn't really partake in cannabis because there was drug testing going on. So there was quite a few pain meds involved in right getting through that time. I think the moment I was done playing football, right, I had a kind of choice to make. Was I going to continue on this path of pain meds or could I search out something, um, you know, a little um, more kind to me as, you know, I, dealt on this like path of future pain management. Mm -hmm. And really that's how I, um, you know, got deeply into cannabis. Obviously, you know, as partook recreationally before that, you know, just as like growing up and experiencing new (laughs) things, but, you know, I became, you know, more involved in the, you know, medicinal side of the plant, probably right after that, that experience of athletics. Interesting. And did you start making, I thought I saw something about some tinctures in your kitchen or something like that? 
Yeah, that was like, you know, most innovation is born out of personal need, Mm -hmm. typically. Um, And it was certainly a need of mine, right? I was in this phase of, right, the pain management, and I had just started in in spirits. And so I was a few years into spirits, and I realized my liver was not going to be able to hack the pain (laughs) at which things were required to go. So I had to come up with a hack of my own. And I started researching, like, you know, how to make tinctures. I came across like Green Dragon and all these recipes that you could make tinctures. So I kind of came up with my own modified version and started making, you know, this tincture where I would decarb the flour at a certain (laughs) temperature for a certain time. I would soak it in a high proof something, (laughs) right? And I would put it in the freezer covered for 30 days and then I would strain it. And then I'd be the guy, you know, in the bar can I get a tonic and lime and you know, kind of sneak my three drops of, you know, tincture in there and I'd be sessioning cocktails huh. right along with everyone else. Yeah. And so to me, that was like a, you know, born out of necessity, but I realized how cool this could be. And right. This is 15 years ago yeah. in New York city, Brooklyn, to be exact shout out to folks at Mediva who experienced the tincture with me. Um, but yeah, so it was, you know, that's where it all started. And obviously the technology for what we're doing today did not exist then from, you know, water soluble cannabis emulsion um, to even the rise of non-alcoholic spirits. People hadn't innovated that far yet. Right. And so it kind of just became a thing I did over the years, right. To moderate my own alcohol consumption. Um, And then, you know, fast forward to three years ago, I started connecting the dots and realizing hey, I can actually bring this to market because what I need to do it now exists. Mm-hmm. And it's really how the path to this accelerated. That's pretty neat. I, I took some notes when you were first, you know, talking about your your experience kind of getting to today, you know, and a lot of your first, your careers and stuff. And and a couple of notes that I jotted down was that, you know, you you first started this journey, like in the consumer research area with, you know, spirits and just learning, like you said, like the firsthand customer preferences of like, how are they choosing, uh, you know, what they're going to drink or consume. And, um, and then next, it sounds like you maybe worked more like in the sales end of it, like in the B2B aspect, maybe, and kind of got a feel there of like how companies operate and kind of deliver this stuff and how they create products for consumers. And so I think that was like awesome insight. Now you've essentially completed like the loop of now you're producing products of your own. And so I got to think that there's a lot of like, there's a lot you've probably learned along the way, like a ton of insightfulness, uh, not just on how to like produce the product and and then deliver it to consumers and the logistics of that, but also down to uh, pinpointing like what consumers are going to want and then also producing a product mix that's going to meet that. And so, you know, already, you know, and I'm not even, I don't want to give a spoiler of like how incredible your products already are and what you've created, but, you know, start walking us through that. Tell us a little bit more about Moon's uh, non-alcoholic, you know, product offering and their non-alcoholic replacements and what you've created for consumers to, to experience non-alcoholic, you know, cannabis infused beverages. Yeah. Um, wow. So again, <laughs> you reach this point in your, where you are and you're like, things start to come together. And so I take you to that moment where, you know, it was actually my wife who kind of gave me the nudge. It was right at the beginning of COVID, like before COVID was shut down COVID, it was like, there's this thing COVID. (laughs) Um, My wife looked at, so uh, an ex-client of ours that we had worked with at Bacardi Incubation had called me and said, hey, um, 
it's dry January and I'm a little perturbed that I don't have uh, good options to truly imbibe right in a way that I want to during dry January. I don't want to be ordering a soda or whatever. And this is, you know, right around the time that Seedlip, I don't know if you guys have heard of Seedlip, but it's it was like kind of the originator of non-alcoholic spirits was was coming to be in Europe. And so Europe is a little bit ahead of us in terms of their uh, move towards non-alcoholic functional beverages, but I'm sure we'll circle back to that later. Um, but he called me and said, hey, I'm developing a non-alcoholic spirit. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And so he, myself, and a food scientist got to work on developing this non-alcoholic base. So fast forward back to this, probably you know five months before COVID started. Fast forward to right when my wife nudged me and said, don't you see it? I'm like, see what? <laughs> and she's like, you have a base yeah. like that is non-alcoholic. And I was like, oh, wow, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, got on the phone with, with my partners in the non-alcoholic spirit space and said, hey, I want to do this thing that I've been doing forever. We cool. Everyone's like, yeah, run for it. Our food scientists actually um, pointed me towards our, the folks that we use for cannabis emulsion today. Um, and so I'm bringing two worlds together, right? Yeah. This cannabis emulsion and this non-alcoholic spirit. I thought it was going to be an easy merge of the two. Boy, was I wrong. Right? So <laughs> yeah. It took another year or so, year and a half from that point to perfect bringing the two things together. But what we've effectively accomplished is really bringing together something that's at the apex of what's happening uh, just with consumption in general, right? We've created a line of, you know, cannabis-infused, non-alcoholic spirits that, you know, represent things that you already know and love. We mm -hmm. currently have uh, Jalisco Agave, which is a tequila. We have London Dry, which is a gin. We have Kentucky Oak, which is a bourbon. And so we aimed to demystify this and say to someone, hey, are you, are you experienced with tequila? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Take this bottle, replace your tequila, do everything you would do with it, and get back to us in two weeks. <laughs> and that was really our like consumer testing. Yeah. And when I say to a person, it was like jaw open when they <laughs> came back to us. We kind of knew we had something. And so we did a bunch of right prototype rounds where we were perfecting taste and you know, some world-class mixologists got involved in it and we got a whole bunch of thumbs down during the process, but, oh, well, yeah. um, you know, I think it was around 47, maybe that we got to thumbs up on all three expressions. And, wow. uh, and here we are, and we are, you know, on the front lines of being the folks that are helping to evolve cocktail culture. That's where we, we kind of reside. Yeah. No, I love that. It's so fun. I mean, I know a lot of times, you know, when Jared and I, we're not big drinkers and, you know, when we're forced to drink because, you know, it's the the thing to do. The next morning, you know, we wake up like my heart's racing. I've got a headache. I just feel <laughs> terrible. It's just like yeah. awful, you know, and it's always just like I can just smoke a joint and I'm going to be fine the next day. So like why? What is the force? It's here? funny that that's like the recovery is like smoking a joint. <laughs> right. so if you're hungover and you're like, the first thing yeah. I, I got to smoke some weed here, man. Yeah, totally. And that that was really part of my insight was like, how can I infringe on this ubiquitous cocktail occasion yeah. with a substance that I know more and more people are finding the benefits of over alcohol? Yeah. Right. And to do it in a way that's 
not stigmatized where you're not leaving the room to go smoke a joint or you're not pulling out, you know, a half melted pack of gummies. Like, can I, you know, you want a gummy? Yeah. Um, (laughs) It was in the occasion, fit with the occasion and actually lifted the occasion. And that's when, you know, again, we kind of got really uh, stoked about what we had stumbled upon, so to speak. And, yeah. and well, that's why it's so fun, you know, because you don't have to leave and go smoke a joint. You can literally mm-hmm. have, you know, a tequila drink right next to your friend who's having the same tequila sunrise, but just with cannabis, you know. So that's very cool. And everybody's still involved and there's no, you know, like negativity, like, oh, she's not drinking or whatever. Like you're still drinking and it's all good. Well, like the other piece that I like that immediately struck me because like I'm, you know, I still love whiskey. I'm a huge whiskey guy and I feel like the older I get, the more I... I really do enjoy a good whiskey or a bourbon or something. And, and, you know, I can learn to like moderate it to where I don't get hung over or pair it or like have high quality spirits to where, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, not like I was when I was 21 <laughs> and like, I'd take, you know, Sunday and Monday to recover. But that was what first struck me with your products was that they are geared to still have like this culture with the alcohol. And I think that's, what's missing a lot of it with the cannabis stuff is that people are trying to create, you know, non-alcoholic, you know, replacements with cannabis without factoring in that maybe people still want that alcohol experience of like talking about the drink. Like I can already immediately see where each of these three products fits in in the alcohol spectrum, mainly because like you branded these so well to where you still in, like, encom- like encompassing like the experience, like the Kentucky Oak, like immediately I'm like, well, that's like a whiskey kind of pair, you know, and you really have like captured that that essence of like what we're going and what we're seeking when we're drinking alcohol while replacing it. And I think that's like the piece that is like the moneymaker for you. And like the most mesmerizing thing is that you've somehow paired these, these two, you know, different competing ideologies together into one product. Uh, So that's like pretty incredible. And, you know, I would love to think that, you know, without knowing what you just told us that it took, you know, some iterations and some reviewment. And I would love to think that you just stumbled upon it, but I think it's really cool that you have taken the time to do this correctly. And, and I think it really shows through in your finished product. It's, it's mm-hmm. beautiful. The, the bottle aspect of it that you're pouring out of a bottle and you're mixing drinks and even your serving sizes and like one and a half ounces, like it's, you know, I could take a shot of this stuff and it's like comparable and I have a way to like measure my dosage and, and comparable to like alcohol. Like the thoughtfulness is here and like you have, you've done it, Darnell. Thank you, guys. It was, it was a you know big feat, but I, I, to me, what pays off is when people the light bulb goes off and they see the applications in their own kind of existence. It, mm-hmm. I can't explain the you know joy I get from seeing that. And <laughs> it's unlocking a new world to someone who thought that world may have been dead to them or. Mm-hmm. You know, Yeah. And I also like the dosage because I thought I think it was like two to six milligrams, which is great. You know, 10 milligrams is just way too much for me. So if you are, you know, going to have a couple of drinks throughout the night, you know, two to six milligrams per drink, depending on how you dose it is pretty good. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's differing opinions on that, right? There are, there's the high dose, Mm -hmm. what they call the legacy consumer, right? Which they drink, you know, a hundred milligrams in a single serving, which the average person that right this is going to expand to would put them on the ground for probably days right? <laughs> yeah. so um i have to be clear that high dose customers i love you we got stuff coming for you down the pipeline but this is specifically for the average consumer who just happens to enjoy cocktail culture as well so yeah. microdose was very deliberate out of the gate because yeah. we feel like that's where our, our scale is and where we can 
reach the most people to, you know, deliver an occasion. Yeah, absolutely. And I see it more of like the kind of like curious people too, you know, like they still kind of want to party and like dabble and drink in, but then they kind of want to smoke some weed. So I think it's a really good pairing between the two. Now I saw that you have those three offerings. Is there more to come or was that kind of, did you do like some consumer research and those are like the top three alcohols people pick or how did you come up with that? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple in the sense of like, you know, in my innovation days, we always paid attention to like what the top cocktails of the you know moment were. And, and what I've noticed is over the 20 years, it didn't change a whole lot. Like a margarita has always been in there. <laughs> yeah. uh, an old fashioned has always been in the top five. So, you know, we started with where the most familiarity, you know, lies, right? And so we started with expressions that would help us deliver, you know, the most popular, most, you know, ingrained cocktails in cocktail culture. And then from there, we're going to expand out. So uh, fast follow to the three that we have is going to be a non-alcoholic uh, white rum version. Mm-hmm. So, right, it, it, it will solve the daiquiris and mm-hmm. other drinks that are routinely in that top 10 list as well. Um, and then beyond there, we got some exciting places we're going. I can't talk a ton about it at the moment, um, but just know there are products coming for the high dose consumers. Um, we have actually innovated a line of uh, mixers that are like precisely made to make cocktails with Moon, right? So we'll mm. sell those alongside the Spirit at some point. Um, and a whole host of other expressions that we are toying with right now beyond rum. Um, And, you know, we're lucky in that sense because we have a sister company where we're doing all kinds of interesting things with things that are kind of off the beaten path, like Fernet and other things. And so, um, you know, being able to share innovation with, with that is, is um, pretty game changing. So we have a lot of cool stuff up our sleeves. That's fun. I just had one question that came to mind. Uh, so what are the dispensary's reactions to this? Because, you know, I know I've not gone into a dispensary and, you know, gone on the shelf and there's a bottle of, you know, quote unquote, uninfused alcohol on the shelf. So what is kind of their reaction to all of this? Yeah, herein lies where we are, right? And why this has to be something that, you know, we have to be patient with, right? If you look at, you know, what the can- the makeup of the cannabis industry is now, right, it's dominated by flour. So you can expect that the retail outlets will probably also be, you know, and the makeup will look pretty similar to what is dominant. And so most dispensaries are very flower dominant. Start there. Right. And so the industry in of itself, and this is kind of what I'm out, right, uh, evangelizing a bit, is that the industry right now is powered by basically a legacy consumer. Right, someone who has experience with cannabis, someone who um, is their primary active ingredient, as I call it, right? And they are the ones that walk into the dispensary consistently. Um, but there's only so much growth that legacy market can give us as an industry. And so for us to grow, we're going to have to expand behind someone who today might not necessarily walk into a dispensary, but as new product and form, form factors come online will drive them to um, the dispensary environment. What I can tell you is, right, as if I think about this at a macro level, right, my hope is dispensaries 
continue to evolve and realize, right, we have to draw, you know, a wider swath of people into our stores to continue to exist and thrive. Because if they don't, I can tell you there's an active lobby on the other side of the equation, especially as it relates to beverages, that if you don't do it, someone else will. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for me, right, dispensaries obviously have to keep the lights on. So it's why their mix looks like what it looks like now. There's still a lot of education that needs to be done on beverages. And I would say to any dispensary, if you're carrying a beverage and they're not in there supporting it with activation and sampling, don't carry the beverage because it's not going to move. Right. And so as a dispensary owner, I would, you know, really make that a requirement. And as a beverage, I want to do that because it's just another opportunity to educate folks. And of course, doing collaborative things to help bring a new consumer into the store is going to be the recipe for success. We're not there yet, right? There are some dispensary owners, especially those here in California that are associated, say, with a consumption lounge Mm -hmm. that get it immediately. And they're like, Give me all you got. Need it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And there are some that are, you know, really flower dominant, have a very, um, a very loyal customer base, but a customer base that is very legacy in its makeup. Right. They're not bringing someone off the street wandering in saying, hey, I'm new to this. I'm not sure where I should start. What should I do? Right. Like those consumers go to certain stores and mm-hmm. some of them, you know, don't. So I think. That is a long-winded way of saying that, you know, I'm on the forefront of right, helping dispensaries evolve their product mix, um, but understanding they need the support to do so because, right, the numbers don't lie. Beverages is still only 2% of right, total sales, and it takes up a lot of footprint in, in the store. So I can't, I can't fault them for how they currently look at beverage because the numbers just don't add up and they have to stay in business. But... Right. We have to have a, this macro view of where does future growth come from? And if we take our eye off, eye off that, then we're going to always be in this position of feeling like we're one week away from closing our doors in most mm-hmm. instances. You know, so it, th- that's kind of where we reside in the whole um, scenario. And I think there's other beverages out there that are doing it right. Can on the West Coast and going national, there's. Uh, Levia on the East Coast that, you know, they're bringing in a new type of consumer into dispensaries. Um, so got a ways to go, but I see some some positive signs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's like a really important thing to highlight that we don't really talk about a lot is, you know, the products and who they're geared for. And then also like who the consumer market is. You know, I saw something, it was just two weeks ago that was talking about uh, the largest consumer market right now that's growing, that's like taking up a lot of like the sales is like 55 and up. And that's not something that you would traditionally think of when you think of like cannabis. I think what we see on social and and through companies' advertisements is like a younger group. It is like millennials and, and you know, those like in the, in the kind of the younger age group. But there's certainly like, there's there's markets that exist out there that aren't really what you typically think of. and And that's almost why I wanted to highlight that um, when we first started talking here that like your brand is really built to, to have like the best of both worlds. Like you really brought a, lar- a fair amount of like this alcohol culture in. And I think that is absolutely necessary if you're going to convert people from an alcohol consumer to um, some type of like cannabis infused uh, spirit or anything uh, on that matter. Like you're going to have to 
you're going to have to make it easy for them to see how it fits into the current consumption schedule or their habits or, you know, even like the, like the drinks they drink. Like if somebody can see that, like I immediately saw that you were like making old fashioned and I'm like, holy shit, I drink old fashions. Like I'm going to get a bottle of this and just like, I'll have it. And then the next time I make an old fashioned, I'm already used to making the old fashioned. I'm just, instead of putting whiskey in, I'm putting this in the Kentucky Mm -hmm. Oak. And, and I think that's absolutely what is needed. And it's absolutely what's been missed by a lot of brands is I think they've, they've paired a cannabis beverage with cannabis culture. And then you're right. They're, they're pitching it to like the legacy market and the legacy market's like, I smoke weed and I need, you know, a a bong rip or a joint or, you know, give me some dabs and like, I'm good. And then, so then dispensaries are like, well, I'm not going to carry the product or there's no focus on it, but you're totally right that like, we have to think about the the individuals that we're bringing into the fold and how they're going to view products, how they're going to consume it, how they're going to be comfortable with it. And it's by, you know, making the replacement as obvious as you possibly can (laughs) in in like basic terms. And, and you've really done that. And so I really think as this industry kind of keeps going, uh, that is like a huge consumer market that's really unaddressed here. And I think a lot of companies are scrambling to do it. I think you see a lot of like the seltzer craze right now that's happening in alcohol and in cannabis. And I think that's 100% driven to kind of capture this market. But again, um, I still feel like that's driven towards like the younger segment of the market. Uh, not so much of like some of these other individuals that maybe want to broaden the fold that don't want, you know, a seltzer or something. They want the classic drink that they've had for, for, for years, really. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you know, so many points that go through my mind daily in terms <laughs> of, you know, what we're trying to do here. You know, and with us, we, again, you, you kind of said it when you said bringing in the alcohol culture, right? Like that exists for can of curious all the way up to legacy, right? We have, some legacy users, right, who will be dabbing or smoking and they'll have this as cocktails and accompaniment to what they're doing, right? And that's their dose. Whereas there's some kind of curious people who would not smoke nor vape, but would certainly swap out a cocktail, right, for a new experience. And so we're lucky in that we kind of hit both of those consumers, right, Mm -hmm. and and have a place for both of them. And, you know, alcohol culture is just so ubiquitous, right, that, you know, we feel like we bring something really interesting to that to that game. And, you know, I say to people, you know, like you, I, I drink a glass of, of whiskey, right, meat, and enjoy it, right? When I'm in that mode, I'm looking for something different, though, than what I'm doing when I'm pouring a cannabis old-fashioned, right? Like, I'm, it's more the cocktail than it is the neat experience, but they all have their place, and so, you know, a lot of people have asked me, like, are you trying to replace alcohol? I'm like, not in the slightest. I just, I feel like we deserve a place next to, right, mm-hmm. to give more options and make us all more multimodal when we're making decisions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's really where we, we focus. Yeah. No, I love it. It's so exciting. You know, we don't have anything like that here in Colorado. I know we have like Saria Brewing, which I think is Blue Moon and that's beer. And like, I don't really drink beer. So like, it's cool and all, but it's not for me. And then the only other thing that I know that we do like personally for parties is we have like Ripple and it's just like a powder and you can like mix it in drinks. And like, that's our like quote unquote mocktails, you know, but how much better would it be to just have, you know, a mocktail of a whiskey and we can just have whiskey sours or whatever. So I'm really excited about this. I think it's super cool. And I know, you know, infused beverages are becoming more popular amongst consumers. Um, So do you have anything, you know, for the future for Moon? Maybe you're looking at other markets. I don't know. New York seems kind of interesting to me or like social consumption, lounges, things like that. 
Yeah, that was a very timely statement by you because I'm actually on my way to Colorado in two days hey. to meet with some folks. Colorado is an interesting market, right? Because if you listen to everyone in the industry, they're like, oh, this will never work in Colorado. It's like the OG market. Everyone there is high dose. And I'm like, is it? And then I came out to the Cannabis Marketing Summit and I was like, that's definitely not the case. Like, <laughs> yeah. Who I met who had such enthusiasm for what we were doing. It's like, wow, like if only something like this could be in Colorado. Right. So Colorado's just by proximity and by relationships I've developed is on the map. But you're right. Like New York is our bullseye, right? Like, um, you know, in brand building, they always say like, if you're not in New York and LA, are you really a brand? And (laughs) I think, right. That's been disproved over time, but it's kind of that, that mindset, right? Like where trends are created, where things really get scale. Um, New York has to be the top of that list. Right. And New York is interesting because they've written consumption lounges pretty heavily into mm-hmm. the legislation. Um, so they're going to be a centerpiece. And I know just from being back there a bit and talking to friends in the spirits industry, especially the service side, the bar side of it, they're starting, there's some rumblings for, you know, from them coming like, why can't, why won't we be able to have access to these micro dose, low dose beverages, right. In, in our setting. And so I don't think they're going to sit quietly and just let the consumption lounges become the the talk of the town. I think they're going to be pushing heavily to um, have their hands on some, you know, low dose infused products as well. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Um, you know, obviously places that have consumption lounges that are in the works from Nevada to Arizona to Illinois to Michigan, right? The rec states are all in play. Massachusetts, mm-hmm. um, you know, we have a, a um, lot of decisions to make. Uh, coming up here in terms of like what our path looks like and where do we go Um, but um, it's a good problem to have yeah (laughs) it's so exciting yeah it really is (laughs) yeah and I I like that you've you've almost kind of like found your market now and like this really sounds like you know these consumption lounges is like the next big thing and and I know in Colorado we've been waiting for it for 10 years now and it's still kind of materializing and and you're right it almost it is like a perfect pairing in that in that sense, because you need something to drink. I mean, and then if you can have something that's like still within like the, the same mode, I guess you're consuming like cannabis, you know, themed or inspired. I mean, that's like, that's like the best win of them all. So I think that's yeah, really I mean, cool. Consumption lounges are, have been so dreamt up, surrounded around flour. Right. You know, like everyone's like, so what kind of HVAC system are you going to yeah. have? Yeah. And, and that's like the big thing with consumption lounges. I'm like, Hold on, guys. Can't like, forget the HVAC. Right? Yeah, we're There's something drinks. else. <laughs> yeah, seriously, though. Right? Duh. Yeah. That's I like almost so mind-blowing, cool. honestly. Like, yeah, it's so it stupid really that it's like... It well, then something on. else that Lucy and I actually got into over over the pandemic, surprisingly, was we started doing these, uh, these like, what do you want to call them? Like, these happy hours, like virtual cocktail oh, hours, yeah. essentially. They would send you all the stuff in the mail, and then you jump on there with a the mixologist, and, like, they walk you through the drinks, and... I immediately thought like got like the same vibe almost from like all of this and like you're talking about mixologists and I'm immediately thinking like these people have a say in this too and like they have to be geeking a little bit of like how can I use this because I, I know the experiences we've had it's like a whole culture and I was like completely blown away by like how 
meticulous and serious these people take their job like i learned like so a ton much. like every time like i had no clue that like that much went into making this drink and it tastes so good and like i see a lot of those aspects in your drinks and like hearing you talk about it like that's a part of it too so i gotta think that you're right like this consumption lounge like you start pairing in the idea of drinks and kind of bring in the alcohol culture and introducing them through cannabis through your infused spirits like that who knows where that's going to go because there's a whole culture and a whole passion already established there. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, mixologists go bonkers when they get this in their hands and they get to play with it, bartenders. And we've gotten contacted from as far as New Zealand wow. about how can I use this? Like, is there a way I can get my hands on it? And it's like, you, it's so One cool. Yeah. One yeah. I love it. Like even like Vegas, like, come on, like it's perfect for Vegas. Spot on. You know, right now they're, you know, doing the buffoonery of, you know, not allowing it on the strip. Mm. But again, they're doing it without thinking of products like Moon, mm-hmm. yep. right? That would have a natural place, right? right? And that cocktail culture that exists on the strip. So, you know, there's things happening. Um, I don't think people are sitting by idly. Um, and there's more folks coming to kind of, where we're playing, I think you'll you know see some more pressure put on um, legislation to maybe carve out something for these low dose beverages, right? Because they are so akin and parallel to their counterparts, and, mm-hmm. and so we'll see where that goes. So Man, cool! I'm excited for it. I, I think, am too. <laughs> I think what you guys have created is really mind blowing. Uh, it's it's a beautiful product. You know the brand's beautiful. Everything you guys have put together. I'm excited to try it. I may have to make a special trip out to California just to try it because like the Kentucky Oak, I just keep staring at it. It's just calling my name. So, uh, you know, I'm really impressed with what you've done, Darnell. And, and, you know, I'm really excited to see this continue to kind of come together for you and see, you know, hopefully it's, you guys are in New York in no time and you guys are going to be the talk of the town. That's for sure. We'll see. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I echo the same. I mean, we talked to a lot of brands on the podcast and what this is going to be episode 167. And I will say this is something I'm genuinely excited about. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for you guys. I think this is spot on. And I could hardly wait to see what happens for your guys' future. So keep doing what you're doing. Um, everybody check them out. It's MXXN, pronounced moon. So don't just Google moon. <laughs> it's MXXN. Uh, so check them out online. Check out their Instagram. It's super dope. It's kind of got like these spacey, trippy vibes as well, which I love. Um, so yeah, keep doing what you're doing, Darnell. You're killing it in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do have one final question for you. So we are the Lit and Lucid podcast. So are you lit or are you lucid? Ooh, I'm definitely lit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> that a boy. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Darnell. We had a great time. Uh, but with that, I'm lit. Uh, I'm lucid. And that's it. Laters. This episode of the Lit and Lucid podcast is brought to you by Yuhu Digital. Yuhu Digital is a full service digital marketing agency specializing in website design, SEO, and social media management for cannabis and hemp businesses. Learn more at www.yuhudigital.com. 